Welcome to the Fit for Privacy podcast with Punit Bhatia. This is the podcast for those who care about their privacy. Here, your host, Punit Bhatia, has conversations with industry leaders about their perspectives, ideas, and opinions relating to privacy, data protection, and related matters. Be aware that the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are not legal advice. Let us get started. collection of personal data and use of personal data has been happening for years. But all of a sudden, we are talking about the concerns around it, concerns around, is it too much? Is it too less? Why are we using trackers? Should we use cookies? And then how much of data is enough? Should it be minimum? It should be transparent and all these things. And that's where it leads to questions like, how do organizations find balance? Should they collect cookies? Should they put trackers on website? What kind of governance do you set? And all these questions. And who better than Zach Vinthe, who is a customer data platform evangelist for treasure data to talk about it because he's one of the leading customer data industry persons, speaks at events, webinars, and virtual conferences. And we have the privilege of having him in our podcast. So let's go and talk to Zach. So here we are with Zach Vinti. Zach, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. And let me ask you uh, maybe an easy question. When you think of GDPR or privacy, what do you think? What's the one word that comes to your mind? Well, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think it's opportunity, right? Because mm-hmm. we've opened up the opportunity to have the conversation around the need for customer data, but balancing that with the transparency and the respect that comes with having or sharing or using that that data. So um, to me, it really come, it, it boils down to the opportunity for companies to be transparent about what they are collecting and how they're collecting it and the opportunity for consumers to know what's that data going to be used for. And if I change my mind in the future, I have the opportunity to erase that or to change that or to have somebody who's looking out for me in, in some respect, um, you know, to kind of help protect my, my privacy. Interesting. So when you look at this opportunity, as you rightly say, there are two dimensions to this opportunity. One is the organizational side of it, wherein you want to leverage data, wherein you want to have more experiences more opportunities, more insights, and everything more. And of course, the more data. And then there's the customer side, uh, wherein you want less tracking, less everything, while the organization wants more personalized customer experience. So how do you balance the need for personal information of the organization vis-a-vis the need of the organization to provide customer experiences, as well as, on the other hand, protecting privacy or limiting the information a company collects. Yeah, I think a lot of it comes down to, you know, the, that, that balance comes down to to trust, um, mm-hmm. you know, and transparency, right? And, and I kind of already said that, but the 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 idea of that is, you know, customers, the consumers want a personalized experience, right? If you if you ask them ultimately, do you want something, you know, tailored to you? The answer is yes. Then the follow-up question is, well, how much data are you willing or how much about yourself are you willing to give up? And, you know, that varies, right? And I think a lot of that varies depending on how much they trust 
that company. If you have a trusted relationship with a brand, you're willing to give out data. You're willing to share more information. If it's your first purchase and you're having something shipped to your house, you're like, okay, fine. I'm willing to give you my name, my address, my, you know, my email, my, my payment information. But you might not be willing to answer questions like, what's your income bracket? What's your, how many people are in your household? And really, that information is probably not necessary for that personalized experience of shipping something to your house. So I think companies have a, a responsibility to say, yeah, we want this information, but play the long game, right? Build trust with, with your consumers. They're willing to give you information if you can tell them, why do you need that information? What are you going to do with that information once you have it? How does it benefit both of us, right? And as consumers have kind of opened their eyes and kind of woken up to the idea that their data is valuable, they realize it's a value exchange, right? So if I'm going to give you some information and I get some personalized experiences out of it and I trust you, mm -hmm. then I'm willing to do that. But if I don't trust you yet or I haven't built that trust and I don't really know how you're going to do it, I'm not really willing. There's not enough value for me as a consumer to, to share that information. So I think having more openness and more, more transparency, um, into what it's being used for and then just understanding that yeah i i get it i i mean we're in the you know we're in the customer data business right at, at treasure data so collecting information is great but you don't have to do it all in one fell swoop you don't have to do it on the first the first interaction indeed i think very well said the core element is trust but the trust comes from when you demonstrate transparency Right. And there is relevance. And then in the context, the customer is more and more willing to trust. But you don't want to be collecting data immediately. And when you say collecting data immediately, there's the aspect of or the attention on trackers, the ad pixels, the identifiers, the cookies. And there's a lot of attention on PII or personal information also in there. But even apart from PII, this area of trackers, pixels, cookies is a little bit annoying at this moment because you go to a website, there's a lot being said, you don't understand. How do you propose to companies to manage all of this situation of trackers and everything? Because there's also this Google uh, Analytics or Google Tag Manager uh, thing wherein they say it's compliant, not compliant. Everyone has a view, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think trackers and ad trackers and you know pixels and all the, you know all of those things have somewhat gotten a bad rap um because you know there's a lot of them that are very innocuous and are just yeah. doing things that are um you know providing a good experience right they're allowing you to go from um part one part of the store to a different part of the the, the store you know and just keeping your 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 shopping cart right keeping that that tied together so there are things that are just part of the experience, but there have been a lot of companies who have then overreached and overstretched and done, you know, we, the example that everybody uses is, you know, you go to the site, you look at one thing and you leave. And then that, that ad follows you around the internet for the next month of, of something that you really weren't all that interested in buying to begin with. Right. It's retargeting advertising. And, and I think that's really not the fault of the pixel or the fault of the tracker. It's fault of the advertiser. Because they were trying to grow, they didn't know better a lot of times, so they were over over indexing on you know ad tracking and, and and follow up, and so you have a lot of people have these kind of built in experiences where they're like, oh yeah, I've I didn't even want to buy that product, and now I, I can't get away from it, 
Um, but I think advertisers have gotten better. They've gotten smarter. It doesn't happen, you know, probably near as much. I mean, it, it still happens, but I think, you know, the, there's been some improvement. But a lot of that was happening because there wasn't an alternative. There wasn't a lot of ways to collect first-party data that was useful and meaningful to carry on that relationship. And now, as technology's improved, and as we kind of start to think about the fact that we don't necessarily have to use all these anonymous ad channels and all these anonymous platforms, that there are ways to build a trusted relationship, right? So whether that is through, um, you know, an email channel, obviously marketers use that through SMS, through uh, uh, partnerships. There's a, there's a lot of different ways we can now start to, you know, engage with with consumers and give them the option of saying, hey. This is what we're using X tracker for. This is what we're using Y tracker for. Um, and then, you know, you, you'll start to see that consolidation. And I think a lot of that's going to be forced. A lot of that consolidation is, is going to be forced as, as, I mean, obviously GDPR started a lot of that, but also Google and a lot of the, the browsers are starting to limit or completely get rid of third-party tracking, right? Third-party cookies across uh, you know, platform. Now I know Google moved that, that decision out a little bit, um, probably for their, for their benefit. I don't think they were quite ready. Um, but you know, it's, it's given an opportunity to brands to say, you know, look, we don't have to rely on all these anonymous trackers and all this anonymous thing. We can actually start to build a one-to-one -one relationship with our customers. And those are way more valuable. And in the end, um, tend to be a lot more, a lot more successful. It just might take a little bit longer. It's a it, it, it you kind of move from the grow at all costs or you know overwhelm until somebody buys model to build relationships, build trust, build you know a feedback loop, um, and find you know new ways to engage with your audience. Absolutely, I think trust matters here also. But as we talk about trust, you touched upon that. Google maybe moved back the plans in their own interest, but that's the same with most companies. Let's say you implement cookies and you go the most uh, advanced or strictest approach saying functional, technical, marketing, necessary. And then all of a sudden you realize a few weeks later that your marketing data is not being collected because your most of your marketing cookies activate when you turn on the trackers and that is when that is generally not classified as strictly necessary so how do you see that are there any companies that are doing it well or are there any best approaches you are seeing which you are saying that's the right way to do it because if you go too strict especially in the us where there's law doesn't prohibit you from collecting cookies as much as the gdpr does yeah yeah, so I think there's there's kind of two sides. One is there's a technical there's a technical aspect, um, mm -hmm. which is understanding you know what do I need to to track you know, and then what do I want to track right? So so looking at at, at those and you know like you said, if you go with the strictest model, a lot of times it doesn't give you maybe the attribution that you're looking for, but there's a lot of ways to actually tie some of that attribution together, right? So one of the one of the elements is saying, I'm instead of doing it all in session in browser with a bunch of trackers, I'm going to set a, a basic identifier, right? It's a first party identifier. So I can identify you that can power my cart, that can power 
my, you know, if you're on B2B, it's, a, you know, your, your white paper downloads or whatever it is so that you, you have an identifier to that individual. And then you tie that to backend server experiences, right? So, so did somebody make a transaction? You can pass that identifier through and that's when you're going to collect a lot of the other information because the consumers now said, hey, I'm willing to give you that information. I'm, I'm willing to serve that up as opposed to trying to anonymously tie this to multiple profiles and do a lot of the kind of in-stream. So that's that's one way that that you know customers can can approach this is saying you know look let's well, let's do more server side on completion right and we'll keep the we'll limit the information until they get to that point. The other side is the organizational side. It's the it's the cultural aspect of of kind of data collection and the companies that do it really well. One of the things that that, that a lot of them have is some form of center of excellence or kind of data collection committee and the benefit of having that is you're not just making decisions on what are we collecting you know from a well my department needs this but you're having it as a cross-functional team who's saying why why are we collecting that what are we doing um and the best ones have a mix of people who have kind of different opinions i come from a marketing background i'm generally more trusting of my data because I'm kind of used to it. And I, you know, I've seen the good and the bad, but I'm, I'm kind of more willing to give my information out. I have colleagues who are on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. It's like no data, never, ever, you know, like I, I they shut down all tracking, having those opposing viewpoints sitting in your committee. And when you're saying, Hey, we want to add this, this new tracker, or we want to add this new attribute to one of our forms, um, allowing those two viewpoints to kind of discuss and make a decision collectively for the organization. It, it gives a voice to the organization, right? It gives a voice to the organization, but it gives a voice to the consumer too, because now you're taking your, I mean, we're all human, right? So we're going to say, we're going to say, Hey, well, what would I want to be like? And I'd be like, ah, I don't mind giving up that information. Somebody else like, I absolutely would never give up that information. And so being able to, to balance those, those viewpoints in a committee and and then ultimately make a decision that as an organization you're comfortable and 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 it's justifiable to you um, tends to work really well and I think it opens up a lot of conversations rather than oh we're just going to slide a new tracker in in our in our latest build. That's interesting. So you're suggesting is have some sort of governance, have sort of some sort of multi-dimensional, multi-functional, cross-departmental team. Yep. which looks at things from different dimensions, different perspectives, and decides as a company culture which direction and how much of risk tolerance or risk appetite you have, and then make a decision. But that also means, because one of the concerns that these committees or teams have is there is a huge amount of data that we are collecting, and that means for the bad actors, the hackers, you get into spotlight. And that's where the governance you're mentioning or the importance of data privacy comes in, especially when it comes to customer data, because if you don't have the governance, if you don't have the data privacy well implemented, these bad actors tend to manipulate, tend to take advantage of the customer data. And that's something customers are more concerned about. Yeah. And in that context, are you seeing some good practices, ethical practices or renewed interest in protecting personal data because there's an element of corporate governance but there's also the element of culture and ethics so what are you seeing there and what are the practices do you see yeah so i think one of the benefits going back to that organizational 
team, right, is it you, when you're talking about data, right, then it's also not just talking about, well, what trackers do we want? It's what data are we collecting? What systems are we collecting? There's more people who are aware of it in the organization um, because I think, you know, for the longest time, privacy was a thing that your, your IT team did or that the CISO office did, which was maybe two or three people. And marketers were just like, eh, whatever. You know, it's, I, I, I do my, I do my annual data compliance, um, you know, course or, or test and, and I'm, and I'm good. But over the last couple of years, that's really shifted a lot. And I think a lot of marketers are now talking about, you know, consent and privacy, both, you know, because they have to from a kind of, from a, from a targeting perspective, you know, email and channels and whatnot. But I think they're also, um, I truly, I mean, I think marketers truly care and it wasn't, it wasn't that they ever didn't, you know, not care. I think it was less of a concern, um, and less of a, you know, less awareness to it. Right. And so now you have marketing teams and you have, you know, organizations that are, are aware of what data they're collecting. They're talking about how they're going to use it. But more importantly, there's a lot of technology CDPs in general that allow you to now manage and have some control and governance. Right. So, I always used to joke the biggest the biggest marketing tool um, ever created was Microsoft Excel because micro, you know marketers would would throw some data in there they would manipulate it was easy it was fast and they could they could do some things very ad, ad hoc. Well, you want to talk about one of the most insecure things to have customer data in is an Excel spreadsheet that can easily be saved, that can be shared, that can be sent to an agency via email, and and that's not you know that that's not a good thing to do, right? That's not a good practice, and so. But I, but I think, you know, for, for the longest time, there wasn't a lot of other options. There wasn't a lot of, all, all, you know, alternatives. And so one of the opportunities that we have as a CDP is, you know, we have governance tools and, and I mean, it's core to our platform. So being able to decide who has access to, you know, PII, you may still be able to run a report or run analytics and see aggregate information, but you're not going to be able to drill down to the PII level if you don't have um, if, if you don't have rights or if you're working with an agency on the outside, they may be able to build an audience for you and do some basic, you know, SQL and targeting and things that they, um, they may be better suited for. But again, you're hiding or hashing or blocking that, that personal identifiable information. And so now the tools are allowing marketers to be aware of what information they're sharing and they don't have to create, you know, those unsafe, um, workarounds that may, you know, that may have previously been kind of how they, they they went down that path. And so I think there's an awareness factor, you know, there's a technology factor. And then obviously there is a, a you know, regulation factor as well that as, as regulations, you know, GDPR, but now in the States there's, you know, every state either has a, a some sort of policy, you know, in, in effect, um, going into effect or in in committee, and so I think there's now a, you know a regulatory environment where where you know marketers now have some guidelines and some practices that they're following as well. So I think when you put all those all three of those things together, we're seeing drastic improvements in in you know data hygiene um, as far as what's shared, how's it shared, you know, eliminating some of those bad actor opportunities, uh, if you will. Absolutely. And I think uh, in the modern world, this awareness, understanding of technology and the understanding of regulations is what you need. And that's what 
when you need to manage the three dimensions or even also the other elements which you talked about managing data there comes the data governance strategy that an organization needs to put in place because you cannot manage regulations by regulation and you cannot manage by subject by subject saying here we are tackling privacy now we are looking at security now cyber security now compliance and that is not the way you need to have a comprehensive data governance strategy and since you do a lot of work in that area my question would be how can an organization future proof their data governance strategy or approach yeah so i think you know i think first off i don't know that you can future proof <laughs> right i i think because we just don't know um you know no one would have no one would have expected or or guessed you know five years ago the pandemic or maybe somebody would have but the majority of organizations wouldn't have prepared for a pandemic um and the digitization that came with that right the, the massive explosion of you know online shopping the fact that people have groceries delivered to their front steps now you know in mass people who weren't shopping online now are so i think there's just there's these you know huge shifts what i think you can do is be future ready I think it's having rules, guidelines, ethos in place that says this is how we act um, based on what we know today. This is how we'll act when we don't know what we don't know, right? So having, I, I think there's got to be rules. You know, there's governance rules. So here's the business rule. Here's how we share data. Here's who needs to be involved. Here's, you know, here's the 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 security levels. Those are all, I think, core governance strategy and a lot of organizations have those i think the second level though is the how do we act when we're presented with something new how do we how do we resolve and when what is our what is our guiding so you know organizations have mission statements they have you know value statements for how the company's going to provide well i think we have to think about that as how do we interact with our customers right we have to do right by our customers first and what does that you know what does that mean um that means you know we don't share information until we've been it's been able to go through a you know a vetted process or or whatever that may be and so i think there's also a softer side to to governance that i think that's where a lot of organizations don't um you know have have a have a good kind of future ready or future proof kind of view right they they're they've built governance for what's what's happening today and they've built some rules for what may happen in the future perceivable things um, but being able to, to start to think through, okay, but in lieu of those, or when those don't exist, what else can we do? And, and I'll give you an example. You know, I, I have an organization that we, that we work with that is, um, going through an acquisition. And so now the question is, well, how and when do we share that? These are two private companies. So there's no, there's no government regulation. There's no, um, uh, requirements from the SEC around, you know, zero day or any of that stuff. Um, so how do we share that information? When do we share customer information from a due diligence perspective? How much do we share? And so thinking about things like, well, we have a, they have a data catalog. They have a, they have a long list of here's all the data we store. Here's the attributes. Here's the values. Here's everything. And they shared that. Uh, and they said, okay, this is, this is it, but we're not giving you the values that are underneath it. We're not giving you the customer profiles yet because our privacy policy says we don't share. And even though you are under, you know, under contract to, you know, th they're merging and, and whatnot, they've decided that that's until, until they're one company, that was the way they were going to operate. Um, 
so I think you know it's those unknown it's those unknowns that I think will catch a lot of people. But saying we're going to do right by our customers, we told them we're not going to share their information, even though they probably would understand in this in this scenario, we're sticking to that and we're we're you know we're keeping that um, that line in the sand and, and you know and not crossing it. But we can share because we're prepared. We can still keep the process moving by by sharing, you know, artifacts related to it. I think I like your honesty. You cannot be future proof, but you can be aiming to be future ready by having a holistic, comprehensive view around what you are collecting, why you are collecting, what rules are there, and what challenges would you face in the future. And then when you put perspective into that set of governance, you would more or less be future ready. And that leads us to a question saying, who, how, I mean, what do you do exactly? And if someone was to get in touch with you, for what purposes would they be finding you helpful? Yeah. So great question. Uh, so a customer data platform at its core, it's the job to be the hub of, of all of this customer data. Um, so typically because we have so many systems, because there's this explosion in data, um, you know, you may have a fragment of, uh, you know, of a profile, you know, some of the customer's information lives in your email marketing system. Some of it lives in your transactional system, your, you know, your e-commerce or your point of sale system. Some of it may live um, in a CRM and then, and so forth. Right. And when you multiply that by typically multiple business units, sometimes multiple brands globally, that's a lot of data. And being able to have that um, view to drive those personalized customer experiences, right? One of the things that's, that's critical is being able to bring all that together and to create that 360 degree view of a customer. So when, when a marketer goes and says, Hey, I, I want to target somebody, they're targeting the whole person, um, and understanding the whole person and driving those personalized experiences. It also allows customers and marketers to then know what data is being collected because there's so many teams involved. Too often, you know, the email team may collect some data that the social team doesn't know about. And then the social team goes and tries to collect that same data. And now you've got a data duplication, but you've got customer frustration um, and you open up more risk, right? Because now there's there's data collected in, you know, multiple locations. There's different levels of security and governance. So being able to bring it all together, stitch it, create that unified profile. Now you can drive insights, you can drive understanding, you can use that to make all of your marketing systems, your supply chain systems, your your customer support systems smarter because now they're, you're able to kind of share all that information. But then you're able to layer on that level of governance control um, for, your, for your organization because we can set rules and policies around who can access what, how do they access it. There's no more sharing of, of Excel files back and forth between teams, right? They're all working in a, in a, in a, in a logged, uh, application. So there's a lot of, uh, of levels of, um, you know, transparency and compliance that will come with, with having a system like that. And then finally, um, by bringing it all together, you can also respond to things like a DSAR request, right? So if I need, mm -hmm. if I need to delete, um, the customer data, now I know where all that information came from, what all the source systems are. We can delete it from the CDP, but it can also be deleted from those downstream systems and you can monitor and control that as well. So again, it's just, it, it's adding a layer, uh, kind of a control center, a smart hub, if you will, to all of that customer data. So treasure data, um, and you can find us at, at treasuredata.com, 
we work with enterprise companies across the globe um, from, you know, from direct to consumer, CPG, retail, uh, automotive, uh, and, and, and a variety of other companies, you know, and, and so when they're, when they're facing these complex challenges of having multi-region, multiple brands, multiple um, regulatory pol pol you know, policies, and, um, you know, ultimately just multiple teams, bringing all those things together into a single source of truth is it drives a lot of um, it, it drives a lot of efficiency and it drives and allows our customers to ultimately drive those connected customer experiences, those personalized experiences for their customers um, because you're now looking at the whole customer, not just these fragments of, of, of data. That makes sense. So treasuredata.com. Treasuredata.com. Exactly. And uh, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, that's also the right way to get through. Absolutely. Treasure yeah. Treasuredata.com. You can go on and, you know, if you're interested, you can request a demo. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. So Zach Winthy, W-E-N-T-H-E. Uh, feel free to connect with me on on LinkedIn. Um, follow up if, the, if you have any, you know, any questions about this or just want to chat in general. Um, I'm always my my inbox and, and, you know, my profile is always open. So I'm always happy to, to connect with listeners. So we are towards the end of the conversation. And I would say it was wonderful to have you and have this rich conversation about data, the customer data platform and how data is evolving and organizations are taking action. And more importantly, the holistic action, which you talked about, I would say thank you so much for your time. And it was wonderful to have you. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. Fit for Privacy helps you to create a culture of privacy and manage risks by creating, defining, and implementing a privacy strategy that includes delivering scenario-based training for your staff. We also help those who are looking to get certified in CIPPE, CIPM, and CIPT through on-demand courses that help you prepare and practice for certification exam. Want to know more? Visit www fitforprivacy.com that's www.fit the number four privacy.com thanks for listening if you liked the show feel free to share it with a friend and write a review if you have already done so thank you so much and if you did not like the show don't bother and forget about it take care and stay safe until next time goodbye if you have questions or suggestions feel free to drop an email at hello at fitforprivacy.com. That's hello at F-I-T, the number four, privacy.com.